This is the Practice Purchase Podcast, Season 6, all about successful transitions. I'm your host, Brian Hanks. I run Dental Buyer Advocates, and I am the host of this podcast. And uh, the purpose of this podcast, which, by the way, still totally free, still totally ad-free. Uh, our goal here is to stay about 20 minutes, if possible, right around the average commute time in the U.S. And, um, you know, I'm just doing this podcast to get information out into the universe that's helpful for people like my clients, uh, people that may become my clients, dentists like you that are thinking about buying a dental practice and just need some helpful information. Uh, so in this episode, in this whole season, we're talking about the transition process, the, the point in time that you've agreed to buy a practice, or you're going to buy a practice uh, before you close. And in this episode, we're finishing up a conversation with Paul Lowry from dentalmenu.com. Dental Menu is a membership plan option, and um, in this episode, we're going to talk very specifically about the process of evaluating either whether and when to add a membership or discount plan to your office. Um, you know, assessing an existing membership plan, of course, would be part of this process as well, but most of you won't be buying dental practices anytime in the near future that have an existing membership or discount plan. So... You're going to be wondering, is this something that I should add in my office? We're going to start the conversation uh, with that today. So with that, we'll get to Paul Lowry, dentalmenu.com. On our website, we've got free educational modules, five of them. So if you guys want to take a stab at, you know, learning this stuff, and I mean, we're a pretty open book. We just want to help out with what it. we've learned. Okay, so let's let's talk about the average listener to this podcast. Um, they're either about to, or they're, they're not yet an owner. They're going to be someday. They like the idea of a membership plan. My data suggests less than, oh, it's certainly less than one in 10, uh, probably more like one in 20 of the offices that my clients buy actively have some kind of active. Now I'll, I'll lump discount plans and membership plans together just for the purposes of this sure, stat, yeah, that's fine. uh, you know, any kind of, you know, patient relationship, I'm offer, et cetera. Okay, so the vast majority of listeners, they're not they're going to buy a practice that doesn't have anything like this. Realistically, when should a dentist add this type of feature to their practice if that's something they want to pursue? So, I mean, you can add it any time, but when you buy a practice, and you can speak to this more than I can, Brian, but you're buying a lot of that goodwill, and so you're trying to get that transfer. So, when there's that change, if you can market to those patients and have a good solution and convert them onto a membership style. If you have a membership style plan going, you've got 300 membership patients that are tied into this continuity, that goodwill is going to transfer with those a lot more than a Delta Dental PPO group of patients because they're tied to your practice, not to just anybody that accepts that. So I would do it fairly soon so that you can capture patients before they go elsewhere or say, well, I like Dr. So-and-so, he's not yeah. here anymore. Versus, hey, we're doing some exciting stuff here. We now have a better yep. solution for you. Come on in and see us. Get, let's let's talk through the pros and cons here a little bit because I know dentists are going to be thinking about this. So that that makes perfect sense to me. Um, I'm worried about patient attrition. I want to be seen as uh, someone that's exciting to come in and see as the new doctor. Um, I'm gonna, you know maybe sweeten the offer by, of course, we kept all the staff, the location's the same. Uh, we didn't raise fees on you. We haven't, we didn't change your appointments. And by the way, we're clinically going to be very similar to the dentist that we bought from all of those things can be true. And then what you're saying is in addition to that, Hey, by the way, 
we've got an additional offer. Here's how a, a membership plan works. Do you want to take advantage? The yeah. flip side to that is the dentists that buy practices. I mean, those first 90 days of ownership are yeah. hell. I mean, that, yeah. you know, I'm the one trying to tell them to do it. And oh, yeah. I don't want to scare you guys off listeners, but you know, most people are underwater for 90 days. And in addition, they've got me in their ear saying, Hey, Hey, hey no big changes. You yeah. know, no, for well, 90 days, team, you got to be careful with your team. Right. So, so uh, give me like the cons. What, what would be, um, if somebody wants on day one to have a membership live, they just know they want to do it. Uh, what are the issues that they might run into? So, I mean, I, I would say your number one issue is you're going to be your team. You know what? I can tell you right now when we do software demos, if we have the doctor and the office manager on the demo versus them being split, those offices always succeed better on the plan. So if you're, you know, coming in and you're, and when I say get it started right away, I mean, maybe that's six months down the road versus okay. six years one, down one the road. One recall cycle to kind of let them sure. meet you and then come back. And okay. Part of it is... You know, if you're fairly at capacity and you're running well, then you can wait on some of that, you know, recall. The average patient without insurance, they're coming in willy-nilly anyways. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. But I would say the biggest con would be your your team members. Anytime you're, there's going to be so much change going on that you want to make sure that they're good and on board. And we have a module about getting your team on board. There's some things you can do um, and happy to, you know, chat about that with people, but. Yeah, there is a lot going on. You don't it. It's not. Uh, there's going to be other things that are probably more critical to the success of you transitioning in the first. You know. Oh sure, Pay, payroll has to work. You know, has yeah. to work. The schedule has to. You know, collections exactly. need to fall into the right bank account. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, that that's good to know. All right, um, help me understand. There are several dental membership and discount plans out there. Um, let's pretend you're a new practice owner and you've got to decide uh, amongst the options, dental menu, of course, being uh, first among them, but there, there's lots of options as a consumer of a plan like this, as a dental practice owner, what would be some of the criteria you would keep in your mind? Let's, and just for the sake of argument, let's pretend that dental menu is off the, off the table. Actually, you don't even have to say names, but what would be some of the criteria? Um, like, so, so if I was, yeah. If I was looking at vendors for, you know, if I owned a practice, mm -hmm. first thing I would look for is a vendor that isn't a, a I call them a you know, wolf in sheep's clothing. They're not a quasi insurance company. So some of the membership plan people out there, they charge your patient, they collect the money and then they remit it back to you and they mm -hmm. take a fee. Okay. If your patients are being charged from a third party person, if I owned a practice, whoever controls the money flow controls the relationship. Ultimately, yeah. There's a couple of them that you actually sign a contract that you won't sign up with another membership vendor or offer your own plan. And they actually in their fine print say that they can market your patients to other providers of that plan. That's dental insurance. It me. It's not even a membership provider it's a quasi discount insurance provider is what it okay. is. Okay. So, so my office needs to take the payment. I think so. I wouldn't want to give the control because if you fire that vendor, you don't want all your patients knowing, you know, well, why did you change the program? It's like, well, no, they're they should be paying you directly so that you control that money flow. That's what this is. Okay. That's what a membership plan is. So I would look for that. I would look for obviously the fees they're charging you. Mm -hmm. The third thing I'd look for is 
a lot of the the vendors out there, they basically take a merchant account, authorized.net or whatever, you know, your merchant account. They put a pretty front end on it to help you process monthly payments, which that's part of the battle. But that's about all they do. You're, if you're running a continuity program, you want your vendor to help you keep track of benefit usage. So let me put it this way, Brian. If you and I decided to start an insurance company and all we cared about was premiums, which is the money coming in, we ignored the usage of benefits, which is your expense line, your claims. Yep. How would you know how profitable you are? Yeah, you'd have no idea. Right. So if all your vendors doing is processing payments, but but they're not helping you with benefit usage and stuff, then there's no real KPIs. You're, you're just, they're processing payments for you is what they're doing, which is okay. Yep. But you can kind of do that on your own. So if they're not, and I'll say this too, if you're going to do a very simple discount style membership plan, you don't need a third party vendor. Hmm. It's not that hard. If you're doing an annual pay one time, it's not that difficult to do. And in my opinion, you probably don't need us or anybody else. Wow. Interesting. Um, yeah. If you're running a continuity program with some of what that entails, because then you've got to keep track of benefit eligibility. We've got a rewards program okay. that helps connect them long term. We want patients getting on your plan and staying on your plan for two, three, four, five years, mm -hmm. not for a year. There's a little bit more complexities into that. Um, on the ledger side, the accounting side, as well as the front end side, then you want to look at a, a vendor. But if all they're doing is helping you to facilitate a discount on your treatment and a few things, it really yeah, isn't that I mean, difficult. I, I kind of keep going back to that. I use the tire shop as an example, but now I'm thinking I, I do still go back there because I get a little reward certificate every once in a while. And yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, um, and, and they happen to be open at 7 a.m. when I'm up. So that's good. So we, okay. we tie ours in, Brian. Every time a yeah. patient gets a cleaning on the plan, they earn $25 or $50 of wow. rewards towards treatment. Yep. So, you know, I've, I've got an office now and my kids, we're all on different schedules in terms of our cleaning, but we get these rewards. And so at any given time, we have some rewards for a family plan. I don't want my plan to expire because all those rewards will go away. Yeah. Okay, so you, number one, number one was I take the payments. Two fees. Three is someone's tracking the patients and their el eligibility, the benefits, the rewards, some of these things. Yeah. Let me come back to fees number two, and then I'll, I'll ask you what else is on the list. Um, what is typical? What, what am I going to be charged uh, if the patient mm -hmm. you use three hundred bucks as my family as an example? How much of that uh, is going to, for example, dental menu or the average oh, dental great. menu? How much is Going to the oh, great question. Office. I love this question. So if if I had an insurance right now, Brian, and you owned a practice and I said, hey, I want you to accept my insurance. What would you ask for? What would you want to see before you decide to be an in-network provider? Uh, I want the fee schedule. What's my you want the fee rate? schedule? Okay. Right. So if you're going to accept your own in-house benefits plan, what would you want to see to know whether you should accept it or not? Same thing. You want you a want fee schedule, yeah, right? Exactly. Right. So what we recommend doing, stop throwing darts at pricing. Mm -hmm. Let's look at your UCR fees and then on included services, exams, cleanings, x-rays, fluoride, mm -hmm. set a reimbursement of what you want to be paid. And then how often are they getting those services and let that set your pricing. It's kind of reversed mm, I see. because yeah. if you want a hundred dollars for a cleaning and they're going to get most, they'll get is two a year. And you know, that's $200. That's your budget. So you have to at least have $200 just to be able to pay yourself that much for cleanings. If you want 50 bucks for each 
exam, well, there's another hundred dollars. If you want a hundred bucks for x-rays, you've got to charge 400 bucks. Otherwise you can't, it's kind of like a budget. You're setting a budget. So if it's $300 a year, you just set a budget and now that's going to break down into those and you basically build a reimbursement table. That's the way you should be looking at. So the fourth point, when you're looking at vendors, they should be helping you set things up right in your practice management software so that your accounting and KPIs work. And I don't want to get in the weeds with this too much, Brian, but a lot of offices are adjusting included benefits to zero, which is okay, but they've got production coming in and then their collection shows zero and uh, it can screw up practice valuation and provider pay. Oh, sure. and some of yeah, these yeah. Things we too. see that all the time. So yeah, our production was 1.8 million. We collected 700,000. Yeah. Like, how does and that work? Right. If they've got 300 membership patients and they're writing off, you know, 600 profies and exams and x-rays, it doesn't help them <laughs> from a practice yeah. valuation standpoint if they aren't accounting properly. So I, I'm still confused on the fees. So I love your point about, um, okay, I want to set my budget. I'm going to, I want to collect a hundred bucks per cleaning. Um, I got it. Where does dental menu get paid and how much, and how does that work? Oh, you were asking about our fees. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Sorry. I thought you were asking on how do you price a price your membership plan? <laughs> so yeah, our fees, we've got a couple packages for scratch starts. Um, we do, it's $99 a month and $2 per member mm-hmm. per month. Yep. And then we do have some flat rates at $299 when you get enough patients. So you're not paying, you know, you're not going to have to pay us $1,200 a month because you have three or 400 patients. Yep. But for a scratch start, $99 a month plus $2 per member per month. And we don't charge, um, and we do that for a transition as well. And we don't charge until the first patient is enrolled. Got it. So, you know, if you want to get stuff set up, but you're like, hey, I want to launch this June 1st, we're very consultative. We'll work with them and you're not going to add a bunch of overhead before you've even got someone paying you. So you would treat, and and let me just make sure I heard you right, you would treat an acquisition where the dentist, they technically have a patient base. They've got appointments on the books. You would treat that similar to a scratch start because in, in the terms of the membership plan, it's a scratch start membership plan. Is that right? I mean, we, we normally don't on those transitions, oh, okay. but I, I mean, I would do that for your guys on the podcast. Oh, okay. yeah. remind me. <laughs> put, uh, put podcast in the email and, uh, That's right. you know, yeah, the, the pop quiz question you have to ask them is how many dentists picked up the phone when Brian called and they have to go back yeah, to, this right. and listen to it. No, I like that. Okay. So good. Um, I got it. All right. So, so, uh, I'm going to make a decision on my membership plan by first seeing who collects the money. I'm going to check both how I set my fees for the membership plan and what is the typical, you know, cost per patient and, you know, ongoing monthly cost. Um, Number three, shoot, I'm forgetting. Um, Sorry, Paul. Number three was what again? Uh, Keeping track of the benefit usage. Benefits, keeping track. Usage. Yep. And then number four is, does it tie into my my software? And can I actually see some useful metrics that help me run my business well? And um, I love that. Yeah, because number four, I bet it, it, I bet a lot of people forget about that. And usually number four comes up after somebody's got 50 patients. So if I have someone that schedules a sales meeting, a demo, if they don't have a, a plan, we're never talking about that. If they do have a plan, that's the majority of the call because they're like, man, I've got 100 people and this has just messed everything up. We address it from the get-go now because we've seen what it does, yeah. but you just don't realize it when you're not, in the weeds yet and you don't have 50 people on your plan. I love it. Okay. Uh, just, this just popped in my head. Uh, let's say that 
the listener does, they buy the practice six months-ish after that, they call you up, they're ready to do the membership plan from the moment of that first phone call to signing up the first patient. How much time does that process usually take to implement, train the staff, et cetera? I mean, on average, probably three weeks. We can do it in as little as a week. It's usually because we do our meeting, you know, we look at fees and then there's some discussion and then we build the page and then we schedule the training. So on average, it's usually about three weeks, but we can do it fast, but usually a doctor and office staff, they're busy. Um, I loved your point earlier about, I'm going to ask you like, what's the typical pushback from the staff? Cause your earlier point was, Hey, get the office manager on board. Now the, the fundamental secret to making that happen is to have a good relationship with the office manager, which of course yeah. is a wholly separate podcast. And, and we could talk at length about that, but let's assume that takes place. Um, what is kind of, what are some common objections you get from people at the front desk, even hygienists and assistants that are hearing about this and answering questions like, where, where can dentists anticipate some pushback from the staff? So on the office manager, they're going to do what's easiest for them. So an annual payment is always easier from an accounting standpoint um, for the front desk, as well as at the end of the day, she doesn't, a discount plan is going to be simpler for her too, because it's like, well, Hey, I just want to give them like, why can't we just do 10%, 10% off for anyone yep. that's cash pay? Right. That's so easy. We don't even have to do anything. And it's like, well, that is better for her, like her personally. Yeah, it's not yeah. better for the patient or the practice. But yep. so so number one is the admin side. So when you start introducing monthly payments, our software, we we spent a long time solving this, but you got to start thinking about, and we have ways to solve this. But if you had 200 patients paying an annual amount, that's 200 payments you got to reconcile. You tell her you want to do monthly payments for all these positive reasons, 200 times 12, it's 2,400 payments <laughs> she's got to mess with. And so yeah. the, if the admin side, if that's not figured out well with your practice management software and how you're going to admin it and chase payments and all those things, she's not going to be super pumped. On that's the- fair. Yeah. And by the way, as the dental CPA who did some of this, you know, my solution to some of that problem is hire a bookkeeper. Don't be yeah. dumb. But <laughs> Keep going. What other pushback yeah. do you? And then on the on the back office, what we see a lot is providers. They're not getting credit for the procedures because of that. The way they're administering it in the software is they're doing adjustments. They're adjusting production collections off. So if your hygienist either looks good or is making more money on insurance patients mm. and fee for service patients, but she's getting a big fat zero recorded for okay. the fee the membership pay patient, she's not going to like it. The, the other thing with back office, you called those offices. I bet you some of those had a membership plan and they just flat out didn't know it. A lot <laughs> well, of times, yeah, you know, back office or whoever answered the phone or whatever, they're just like. Yeah. But that tell again, uh, you know, as the pay, as the, the, the potential patient, I'm going, yeah. Hey, if you guys aren't even organized enough to have the right person, pick up the phone, what are the chances that you, you're going to be um, getting the margins correct on the crown for my eight year or whatever anyway. So, yeah. uh, okay. Keep going. Yep. And I, I mean, generally speaking, it's like it is with anything else, more work for no benefit for me. What do I care? Sure, you know? sure. I mean, other human beings, by the way, I do the same thing. Right. Yeah. yeah so yeah, they're not lazy. They're just normal. Um, so just okay. helping them see that maybe building in some, you know, some perks or some incentives or what we see that works a lot is just having a meeting and getting them to be part of the process and letting them have ownership of the solution. Hey, here's our, most of them are good people. They want to take care of patients, right? 
So look, we have patients without dental insurance. They don't come in as often. We lose them. Their teeth break down. They have huge cases because they didn't come in for preventative. What can we do to help them just get everybody talking so that when you roll out the new initiative, you've already kind of had a pre-meeting. And so some of these ideas, like for instance, we we offer perio plans. We usually recommend having a three-month perio maintenance and a four-month perio maintenance, having both those as options. If you sit your hygienist down, you say, hey, hygienist, how often should people come in for perio? What do you think? Should we have a perio plan? They're going to be like, heck yeah, we need a perio plan. Well, what should it include? Well, it should include this, this, and this. Well, now when you roll that initiative out, she's going to be sitting there grinning from ear to ear because she helped you as the dentist to realize this is what's going on with perio. She's going to take ownership of that plan versus like, hey, I just bought a practice. I'm really smart. We're going to shove this new initiative through. They're going to push back just for the sake of pushing back, you know? I don't yes, care what do you're I say. I just, I just got a loan from Bank of America for $1.1 million, so do what I say. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. usually apply, right? Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. And uh, these two little words that say D and R in front of my name I mean I know what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> and you should like me, and I, I sign your checks, you know? Yeah, the DNR is uh, what they do to you after they, you know, they, they bop <laughs> DNR, you over the head yeah. and the, the, the paramedics show up and it's... You will have a DNR in your office. <laughs> okay, so, all right, Paul, how can... I I, I inadvertently uh, cajoled you into giving a discount to listeners of the podcast as they reach out to you. <laughs> how can uh, people uh, reach out to you? We'll, we'll put an email, uh, phone number, website, of course, in the show notes. Uh, so as people yeah. are listening, they can click on that. Is there a preferred way that people can kind of learn more, go to uh, get some kind of freemium or anything like that? For sure. So if you go to dentalmenu.com, there's a, there is a button up there that says education. There's five modules pre-recorded. They're like 10 to 15, maybe 20 minutes long. They go through why membership, how to build one, how to price it, how to get your team on board, and then the accounting admin side of things. Cool. So they're pretty awesome. We offer those for free. You don't even have to put in your email address. Oh, nice. So they can go there and watch those as they're looking at things. That'll give them a good flavor of you know, what they may want to do. And then they can just from there, if they want to schedule a demo, they can, you know, just click on there and schedule some time. We'll go through it. Yeah. You sound like me. I give away 99% of everything I know for free. Anybody can read uh, yeah. articles. They can do the course for free. They can do anyway. So good for you. That's, that's a lot. I love when people do that, that tells me they run their business well elsewhere and paying, pay, paying clients are always really happy with that service. So yeah, for good. sure. I'd encourage people to reach out. I, I think, you know, I started the this episode with uh, uh, these two episodes with um, a quick story about me and membership plans. So I'm a believer in them. And um, you made a great case on why these should be a part of uh, of private practice ownership, whether it's P for PPO fee for service, you know, even if you probably take some Medicaid, I mean, there's a case to be made here. So I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Paul, thanks for being a part of Practice Purchased. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it, Brian. Glad to be on. Thank you.